Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Book of Romans chapter 12. We're going to read a couple of verses there in Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in verse 1 and we are going to be in verse 2 and then we are going to dive into what God has for us today. And Romans 12 1 says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? And don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought, turn off the lies. Turn off the lies. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that is happening here. We thank you, God, for how you've visited us here. From the moment worship began, we just knew that today was going to be special. And we knew that today would be a day of significance. And right now, we lean into your word. I pray that you would open up every heart and mind to receive your word. I pray, Father, that you would just allow me to speak as your, as your spirit would want me to speak, Father. And I pray now that your Holy Spirit would do a work in every person's heart, that it would go places that my words could never go, that it would impact lives in a way that my words never can. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands. You may be seated. Turn off the lies. Recently, my family went on a vacation, and we went to the island, the big island in Kona, Hawaii. How many of you like the Hawaiian Islands? Anybody out there love the Hawaiian Islands? I can go to the Hawaiian Islands every single year. I just love it out there. And as we were getting ready to book our flights, um, you know, something occurred to me that hadn't yet occurred to me. And, 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 and for a good period of my corporate career, I traveled a whole bunch. I worked for Northrop Grumman, and I would travel all over, you know, West Coast, Midwest, East Coast. And so I've had plenty of experience traveling, racked up a lot of airline miles, and um, I, I got a chance to, 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 to really be out there and, and, and traveling like upwards of two months out of the year on the road. And, and so I have been very familiar with traveling. It was something that was very normal to me and something that I was used to. But when we got ready to book our, our, our flights, I hadn't traveled in a while. And, and so something changed with the airline industry because it used to be that you could buy a ticket and pick your seat and, and you know, you'd get your email confirmation. But as I go to pay for my seat, I'm, I'm waiting for that moment to choose my seat and it never pops up. I'm like, what, what happened? I want to pick a seat. And nothing happened. And it's just, I got the email that said, uh, th thank you for choosing to fly such and such airline. And uh, 24 hours before your flight departs, we're going to let you know what seat you're seated, seated in. And I'm like, hold, hold time out. Hold on a second. I want to pick my seat. You know, because I'm, I'm a family of five. It's me and my wife and my three boys. So I pick up the phone and I call the airline. And they, they say, well, sir, you, you, you picked the basic economy. And so we're not going to sign your seat until 24 hours before the plane takes off. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm traveling with the three-year-old, and I'm traveling with the five-year-old, and I'm traveling with the nine-year-old. I can't have my three-year-old sandwiched between two random strangers. Well, sir, you're in luck. For $30 more, you can pick your seats. 
I mean, like 30 total? No, no, 30 per ticket. And I'm like, the devil is a liar. <laughs> I love my kids, but not that much. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank God for hookups, though. Thank God for hookups. Because I had a friend that worked for the airline industry, pulled one phone call in. Your pastor got hooked up, okay? He's like, don't worry, pastor. We're going to take care of you. But, but, but it changed on me. And, 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 you know, I've been out of that setting for seven years, and it hadn't occurred to me that it used to be that you could book a flight, and, book, and unless, unless you're flying southwest, you could pick your seat, and they didn't charge you extra to pick a seat. It was just, it was just standard airline service. But things have changed in the last seven years, and I wasn't keeping up with the change. I was like, what's wrong with the airline industry? And they're looking at me like, what's wrong with you, sir? Like, what rock did you crawl out of? And I'm like, you don't understand. I used to travel all the time, and it was never like that. But things change, don't they? And how many of you know in the world that we live in, things are rapidly changing? One minute, you got the latest and greatest version of your phone, and then six months later, it's old. You're like, what happened? This was the latest and greatest. How did this phone get to be so old? But, but that's what happens with this world. This world is shifting faster than we can keep up with. This world is shifting faster than we are really able to keep pace with. And in this text that we just read a minute ago, I want you to understand the context of it. The writer of this text is Paul. Paul's dictating it to a scribe who actually writes down the words of Paul, who then travels to Rome. It is, it is believed that Paul wrote this letter um, from Corinth. They believe that he was there in Corinth helping plant the church. And when he was in Corinth, he, he sends this letter by messenger to Rome, and it's to the believers, those that were the early Jesus followers in the city of Rome. Now, why I set that up and, and why I think these words are so meaningful is that in Paul's time, Rome was the most, uh, it was the, the largest and most influential city in the world. This was Rome at the peak. This was Rome when it was literally influencing culture and influencing the world. It all came out of Rome. Rome was the hub. They, they, they had come in and they had conquered nations that once had conquered other nations. They come in and they conquer a big nation like Babylon, which is gone. And Rome came in and just took over. And so it became the epicenter of the world when it came to arts, when it came to culture, when it came to philosophy. It all stemmed from Rome. And he's writing to the believers that are living there. If I were to parallel it, it would be very much in parallel to living in the United States of America in 2020. People say of our president, they don't say this of any other president, but what do they say of the president of the United States of America? He's a leader of the free world. That's what they say of him. They say it's not just that he's the president of the United States, but he's the president of the most influential country in the world. Now, some would argue about that, but there really ain't no you know, argument because, come on, USA, right? America, yeah? So they, they say that of our president. They say we have the free world. And, and so when Paul is writing to the church in Rome, I, I think what it does is it really provides a parallel for us. Christians living in the United States of America, a place where culture is being shifted, a place where we are influencing culture in such a world that, I don't know, there's a, have you ever heard this saying that the world is flat? And I don't mean like the, and I'm not talking about the planet being flat. We're not talking about flat earth. I'm talking about because of how everyone has access to technology now. I don't know if you've known this, but, but um, accents are starting to go away. 
Like, like people in the South don't sound like, you know, y'all, we from the South, we have that Southern. Why? Because of Netflix and TV shows and the accents are starting to die out now. Because they're saying that the world is getting flat because of the influence and culture and Netflix and all that stuff that's getting out there. We, we all starting to talk the same. Whether you're from East Coast, West Coast, South, more and more the younger generation, they're not carrying on the accents that their mom and dad had because of the earth and how it is, not the earth, but how the world has become flat. And so things that work in the United States of America are starting to influence countries where it would never influence other countries. I have a pastor friend of mine, he pastors in Carlsbad, he tells me that he goes out into Latin America and he trains pastors and it used to be like the pastors would say, that works in America but it doesn't work here anymore. He goes, yes it does, it's going to work for your kids because this world is getting flat. We're influencing culture. We're, be, we're able to influence culture literally all throughout the world, and it's happening right through our country. So when Paul is talking to the believers at Rome, I believe he's talking to a group of believers that are very much living in a time that we are living in, where our country is shaping the world. We are at the forefront of culture, and yet Paul gives them this counsel from Romans 12. He says to them, let your bodies be a living sacrifice unto God, the kind that he will accept. What does that mean? Here's the first thing that I want you to write down. We can honor God with the way that we live. We can honor God with the way that we live. If I were to read that to you from um, the message translation, Roman 12, 1, I read it to you from the New Living. Let me read it to you from the message translation because I think it's going to help you understand what Paul is saying here. This is what he says. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. You see, God wants your everyday, and God wants your ordinary. God wants who you are becoming. It's not, he's not just interested in who you are on Sunday. He's not just interested in what you do on a Sunday. God, I went to church on Sunday. Check the box. I fulfilled my spiritual obligation. I'm done. God wants to be in the very fabric of your life. God wants to be in the everyday fibers of who you are. God wants your entire life to be lived in such a way that it honors him. And you know what I love about the scriptures? It teaches us this, that every single morning we get fresh new mercies from God, that I believe that mercy comes that allows for us to have a fresh chance at honoring him with our day. How many of you had some days when when you went to bed, you're like, I was a good Christian today, man. I didn't cuss anybody out. I didn't give the middle finger to nobody. I mean, I was polite. I was kind. I let them cut me off in the freeway, and, I, you know, it was a good Christian. We had those days, right? Or is it just me? Am I talking to myself? You're like, that's just you, Pastor. You got issues. You need help. But there's sometimes days where we feel like I was a good Christian. And then how many of you go to bed at night thinking, man, I really need a do-over? I mean, they messed up on my caramel macchiato, and I went off on the barista. Like, she seriously didn't need to hear all that. She didn't need to hear all that. And I yelled at my kids a little too much today. Not really a proud dad moment for me. How do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not alone, am I? Some days we're better than the others. But you know what I believe fresh mercy gives for us? A chance to get it right the next day. So if you had a bad day today, tomorrow's a fresh chance to get it right. We get to reset some things. And I love that. And Paul was saying, and Paul was saying, I want you to take your life and to use it. This is so important now. I want you to do the right things for the right reasons. 
I want you to do the right things for the right reasons. Because how many you know that when you do the right things for the wrong reasons, you did the wrong things? When you do the right things because you think it looks good on the gram, you've done the wrong things. It's like, I fed a homeless person. Let me take a picture. I want people to think I'm merciful. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can do the right things for the wrong reasons. I'm going to be really nice to my wife today because tomorrow I got a big ass. So I'm going to butter her up. Some of y'all are like, no, Josh, that's wisdom. So sometimes you can do the right things, but when your reasons are wrong, when you're doing it for the wrong reasons, that doesn't make it a right thing. But, but when, you, when you are living a life chasing after God, when he says, I want your ordinary and I want your everyday, I believe it's doing the right things for the right reasons. And we do it because we serve, not because we strive. How many of you know that you can strive in the kingdom of God, trying to be the best person you can based on your own merits? I'm going to serve God today. It's going to be based on my own strength. I'm going to serve God today. I'm going to do it it's based off of my own religious, um, uh, what I am able to do through my religious strength. I'm going to flex on this world today, and this is who I'm going to be. You can do those things and strive. Or you can really come from a place of rest knowing that God has made you to really impact this world. God has shaped you and put his spirit on the inside of you to have kingdom influence on this world. And it comes from a place of serving, not striving. Striving is doing the right things but for all the wrong reasons. That's what striving is. But when you live to serve God, you do things out of a place of purity. You do things out of a place of brokenness. I believe you do things out of a place of perspective that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? When, when you've been broken and when you have that right perspective that I do what I do, not because I got my stuff together, but because in my humanity, I am nothing without God. That's a place of serving. It's different when it comes from there. And I think that what God is really wanting us to do is we've been talking about New Year, same you. You know, we've been talking about how do we get our resolutions to work. I believe that our, our resolutions work when they first honor God. If the only reason you want a revenge body is to get revenge on someone, you're not exactly honoring God. What is the motive behind what are you doing? Is your resolution ultimately going to honor God? Do your resolutions honor your family? I've met, I, I, I um, you know, I, I was uh, really involved in the endurance community in, in, in San Diego, kind of met a lot of people, South Bay, and even in other parts of the city. It's kind of like its own little community. And um, I'll never forget just questioning why the divorce rate was so high in the endurance community. Because so many people were all about their workouts, and it was all about getting as fit as they can. At the end of the day, to just get a participation medal for everyone. That, I mean, come on, if you just finish the race, you get a medal, right? So it's like I, you, I saw so many people not honor their family. And I'd be on a ride, and they'd be like, oh, my wife's going to kill me today. I'm like, dude, go home. Be with her. Be with your kids. D d do your resolutions honor your family. I'm going to get ahead in my career. But what are you going to sacrifice in getting there? Don't, 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 don't make your goals so lofty that your wife and your kids aren't on board with you. He said, this is just my resolution. But does it honor your family? And do your resolutions honor your church? I know we're like, well, hey, hold on a second, Pastor. There, you had me at God and family, but what about the church? We're a community of faith that is all in together. 
we're a community of faith that is all in with each other. And for every person that is now on the dream team that we just talked about, when you say I'm going to be there, we go in on this together because we want to see the name of Jesus glorified in our city. We want to see the kingdom of God established in North County. And we are in this together. So, yeah, my choices, not only do they honor God and my family, but I want my choices to also honor my church. And so when Paul said this, you need to honor God with the way you live, that was a loaded statement. Because this was, uh, this was people that were trying to, to, to be at the front end of culture. How many met those people that just wanted to, wanted to stand out for the sake of standing out? You ever met anyone like that? They're always so extra. You ever met extra people like that? It's like, dude, you, you're trying too hard. And I think in a culture like that, like Rome, where it was literally at the precipice of setting culture that was on the front end of setting culture, there was people just doing things that didn't honor God. And God has reminded the church, first and foremost, I know you're living in this, 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 this crazy nation of Rome, and I, and I realize there's a lot of influence here, but church in Rome, let your lives honor God. And then he goes on to say, and don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Second thing that I, I want you to write down, don't do things because of FOMO. And for all the parents in the room that is wondering, what in the world is FOMO? It is an acronym for fear of missing out. They call it FOMO. It's a, it's, it's, it's a real phenomenon with today's a generation where a lot of people are seeing things on social media and they feel like if I don't do that, I am missing out. And so they buy clothes they can't afford because they feel like if they're not wearing the right label, they're missing out. They drive a car that they can't afford because they feel like if I don't have this, I'm missing out. They go on vacations that they cannot pay for because they feel like if I don't get that shot in front of the Eiffel Tower, like all of my blogger, uh, all the bloggers that I follow do, I am missing out. And that was a real thing. That's a real thing today. That's a real, there's so many, there are so many um, young adults living with anxiety because they feel like I got to do that. I, I, I'm missing out if I don't do that. I'm missing out if, 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 if I don't do that thing that culture is telling me to do. Culture is telling me I have to do that. Culture is telling me this is what's important. Culture is telling me there's a status that will be assigned to my name. And I'll have way more followers if I can just do that. But if you go in that direction, you're allowing yourself to be influenced by secularism. And the thing is, and, and why I said what I said at the very start of this sermon about this world is changing very fast. If you make decisions based off of FOMO, you cannot keep up with this world. You cannot keep up with the pace of this world. Every year I got to have the new phone. Every year I got to have the latest upgrade. Every year I have to go with what's happening in culture. You cannot keep up. And you are going to drive yourself into stress and anxiety. And stress and anxiety will cause your body to break down. You will literally start to kill yourself just because you think you're missing out on something. You know, the only thing you got to be worried about missing out on is a move of God. When God is moving, get on that. When the Spirit of God is shifting, ride that wave. When God's going in a new direction, you should be afraid of missing out on that. That's what you should be afraid of missing out on. Don't be afraid of missing out what this world is saying. This is cool. This is hip. This will make you likable. This will make you an influencer. This will make, no, Stop all that. Stop all that. And I'm not saying you can't use the influence that God has given you for his glory, but don't chase after it. Don't chase after it. If God gives you influence with people, it's because he knows who you are in your quiet moments with him. I'm going to clap for that right there. 
Because the Bible says that the God who sees in private will reward in public. If you're wondering why there's been no public reward, maybe it's because God doesn't know you in private. God wants to know you in private. As a matter of fact, he's more concerned about knowing you in private. You're so worried about other people following you. I want God to follow me, right? I want to be liked by him. I want to be approved by him. And that's not to say I got to do things to be liked and approved by him because I am because I've received him. But do you get what I'm saying? You got to know God at a personal level. And you got to live out of that space, not out of space of trying to attract and win the attention and the affection of other people. Because what is current today will be out tomorrow. What is in today will be out tomorrow. I mean, this is going to be a little harsh, but can I use it for an illustration? It's like people that tattooed the charger bolt to their bodies, and they're not even in San Diego anymore. <laughs> it's like, you got to live with that, buddy. They're in L.A. now. They don't even like you, and you got them on your body. Careful with that. You get what I'm saying? I'm sorry. If you've got one, we love you. Keep on cheering on the Chargers. you got no other choice, all right? <laughs> got to love them. Got to love them. Don't make decisions off of what is in today because chances are it's going to change tomorrow. You have to make decisions based on your values. You have to make decisions based on who you are in God. When you make decisions based on those things, you are going to stop striving and you're going to live in the grace that God has for you. So set values for your life and live out of those. And you want to know what's great about making a decision based on values? Even if your decision does not pan out, you made a decision based on who you are and you'll never regret it. I'll never regret a decision that didn't necessarily work out for me because it was a decision that I made out of my values. But you know what I regret? When I make a decision based on the influence of other people. Or external fact. I will regret that all the time. I will regret that all the time. I made a decision off of something that was temporary. Make a decision based off of your values. And that's why Paul says don't follow the culture of this world. It changes. It changes rapidly. Well, it's just because the blogger did it. The influencer did it. This person did it. I understand that. And that has its place. But first and foremost, you've got to make a decision based on who God says you are. He says this. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And I'm coming to a close now. Let God change you into a new person by changing the way you think. I want you to write this down. Change your mind, change your life. Change your mind, change your life. If you can begin to change your mind about certain things, if you can shift the lens of the, like the things that I just talked about right now, if you can begin to shift those things, what's eating up your head space? Now, every now and then I'll tell my wife, like, you know, that just doesn't have, that just doesn't hold any real estate in my headspace. Because this world is filled with information. I can remember a lot of useless stuff as it is. How many of you got, like, like, wisdom for, like, useless information, like, useless facts? Yeah. Sometimes I'll hang on to stuff. I'm like, dude, why is that even in my head, you know? But when you begin to be very intentional about what lives in your head, it's going to change your life. That's why God said, let me transform you. And, and notice that it's God who transforms you. It's not you that transforms you. He said, let me transform you by you changing the way you think. Start changing the way you think. Let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. Let your mind be renewed. Let your mind be renewed. Change the way you think. Change the way you speak. Change the things that are occupying your headspace. You change the way those things are, and God will begin to transform your life. 
Next Sunday, we start a brand new series all throughout the month of February. you got to be here. It's going to be amazing. It's a sermon series called Disconnected, Feeling Lonely in a Connected World. And we're going to deep dive into that. We are going to go deep in there, okay? But, but I wanted to just lead off with some of that and let you all know that we can transform our realities by changing the way we think. And Christ calls that renewing your mind. And he wants to do that. He wants to change your way of thinking. He wants to change what's going on up here because when you begin to change things up here, it begins to change who you are externally. It it begins to shift the things that are happening in your life. And how do you change your mind? It's in your quiet times with God. Come on, how many have just leaned in and seen God do incredible things these last 21 days in prayer and fasting? It has been incredible. And in can I just give you, like, just a quick, a quick story? Some of y'all are probably going to think, man, this guy is weird. But I don't think it's weird. I really think it's the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, we were having, um, we were having a vegan lunch, right? How many hate being a vegan now? You're like, okay, Daniel, that was a crazy diet. You know, whatever you did, Daniel, that fast, come on now. It ain't for me. How many of y'all ready to eat some meat? Thank you. Thank you, my people. Anyway, so we're out at this restaurant, and, and, and we're having lunch, and and I've, I've felt over the last 21 days just like just the, this depth in God that I felt like I've been going in the deep places that, if I'm being honest, I just hadn't been in in a long time. And that's why these fasts, these periodic fasts are so great to take us back to this place. And, and as weird as this may sound to you, when, when you really get in tune with what God is doing, so I'm sitting there having my, having my lunch. I got my boys right here. My wife, she went up to go get like something like a refill. I don't know what it was, but she, she left for a second. And it's like the Holy Spirit said to me, go check your car. I'm like, what? Okay. So I look up, and like I said, I got three little boys, and they don't always shut doors. <laughs> so I look at my car, and they're in the parking lot of the doors, like, wide open. And you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Like, my phone was in the car. My son left his Nintendo Switch in the car. I mean, all these things that we didn't want to take with us into the restaurant were in the car, and the door's wide open. And so I, I, I'm like, oh, my Lord. I go outside, and when I come back, my wife's like, where were you? I was like, I had to go shut the door to my car. She's like, well, how? How did you know the door wasn't shut? I'm like, the Holy Spirit told me? He just told me? I know that might sound weird, but when you get into this place, when you are walking in tune with God, you begin to hear him because you've quieted all the extra noise in your life. I was telling Pastor Joe he's been on his own journey as well, and he talked about how these quiet times have refreshed him, and I told him, listen, you have to quiet the noise in your life because when God speaks, he whispers. He doesn't yell. And he, you can't hear his voice because you got all this noise going on in your life. And because he's got, you've got all these things going on in your life, God's whispering and you can't hear him. It's when you quiet those things down. That's why, that's why starting your, your morning in the quiet place is so amazing. Because you hear God. And, and, and the more that you hear them, the more familiar that he becomes. And you begin to hear his whispers even in places when you think, like, this is the most random place in the world. But God loves you. This is why he wants your everyday and ordinary life because he wants to move in your everyday and in your ordinary life. That's why, Paul, let's bring it back full circle now. That quiet time allows you to have an everyday, ordinary life that brings glory to God. And it brings honor to God because you spent time with the Father. You spent time with him in those quiet moments. 
And when you slip up, God is so good. Listen to me. God is so good that when you slip with slip up with something, even as silly as it can be, like an open door in your car with all of your personal electronic devices in it, even when it's something as silly as that, God loves you so much, he'll be like, hey, buddy, you forgot to close your door. He will do that. And it's not spooky. He's a good father. And he loves you. And the, the, the scriptures tell us that, that he is, his eye is on the sparrow. A sparrow is a small, insignificant bird. And when the writer of the scripture says that his eye is on the sparrow, he was making the point that if God cares about something so insignificant, how much more does he care about you? How much more is his love towards you? You're the pinnacle of all of his creation. You're the highest creation, the highest creature he's ever made. It's you. It's you. And so if God cares about something so seemingly insignificant, how much more? How much more does he care about you? How much more? And Paul concludes it by saying, you know, when you do these things, then you will know how good and pleasing God's perfect will really is. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, and when you do these things, he's going to hook you up with the fat house. He doesn't say he's going to hook you up with 22-inch rims. Is that still a thing? I don't know doesn't say he's going to hook you up with the job of your dreams. No, no, no. He says he's going to teach you how good and pleasing his will is. That's, and, and how do you want to be at that place when you know that he's, his will is good, his will is perfect, his will is pleasing, and I just need his will in my life. All of those other things are secondary. But if I could just live in the will of God, that's the one place I want to live at. Clap your hands and give God some praise. And so I believe... That we have to turn off these lies. You have to keep up. No, you don't. Turn off the lies. You have to have this house. No, you don't. Turn off the lies. You have to have that car. No, you don't. Turn off that lie. You have to do this. You have to achieve this. You have to have this. You have Stop. Paul tells the church that's living in the most influential culture of his time, live to please God. Don't live to please others. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. Let God do it. God wants to be in your everyday, in your ordinary. Turn off the lies. Turn off all the other distraction and focus on me. I want you to lean in right there where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.